Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with E.B. Sanders about values-based leadership. Sanders, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Uh, I know you have a lot of expertise around the areas of value, values-based leadership, uh, and we're going to connect into that, this idea of team member agency and the importance of diversity uh, in values-based leadership today. Uh, before we get started, I did want to share your bio with everybody. E.B. Sanders is a sought-after coach and staffing consultant serving creative individuals, companies, and organizations. She believes that great leaders have extraordinary careers, and her mission is to convince everyone that they don't have to choose between happiness and success. And by the way, I think that is an amazing framing uh, and, and focus on your work with people. I completely agree with that. And I hope to hear a little bit more about your personal background. Um, before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share in terms of your background, personal context, anything like that? And really, like, how did you even get into the space? And why is this something you're so passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually started out my professional career as a college professor. And I absolutely adored my job, but education budgets being what they were, I was um, eventually forced out, unfortunately. And that was not a decision I had made, right? It was one that um, was put on me. And I then had to do the work to find out what my next career would be, made my way into the corporate world, into leadership and development and managing creative teams and staffing and recruiting and all of that really fun stuff that I loved. Um, But then I found myself not being able to actually focus on my employees and their actual best needs, I had to tow the company line, which generally is not to tell them, oh, hey, you'll do better if you leave here. So I decided to go out on my own and start my own coaching practice. And the, it didn't actually click with me for a little bit um, that what I had been doing from being a professor to being in staffing and learning and organizational development to doing coaching, it's all the same thing. I'm helping people find their way in the world and figure out how they want to show up and how they can show up as them, their best selves. And so once that clicked for me, my, my practice really came into fruition and I was able to help people become the leaders that they want to be, become the employees they want to be, be happy doing what they're doing. Um, and so it's, it's been a really interesting and wild ride for me personally. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and, and thank you for that background. And I'm just curious because I'm a professor, mm-hmm. what, uh, where did you teach? What was, um, your area focus? I taught at San Francisco state university and I was a humanities professor. So I got to teach the real fun stuff, the arts and culture and values and why humans solve problems creatively the way we do. And 
one of my favorite courses was the history of creativity. And I've taken that one with me into everything that I've done for sure. Yeah, that that's wonderful. Um, and there's, there's so much wonderful connection between the academic mm-hmm. space and then the practitioner mm-hmm. space. And that's something that, you know, I, I wrestle with that tension um, and, and try, you know, I really have a huge draw into the practitioner space, hence, mm-hmm. you know, my consulting work and uh, the podcast and other things like that. But I love connecting with people who have that, that dual background. Uh, and uh, I have a, I, I feel a kinship <laughs> to, to that kind of an orientation. So, so that's wonderful to yeah, learn. Absolutely. About. I feel we look at the world a little bit differently than people who have just gone straight through the corporate world. And um, I feel that we, we look at the, the bigger picture in a much different way. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope so. I, that's certainly what I try to do. Um, whether I'm successful, <laughs> I don't know all the time, but um, well, wonderful. Thank you for that background. Now, as we launch into the conversation today, um, you know, I was intrigued by this idea of values-based leadership. I think we all, we know it's important to have core mm-hmm. values. Um, and most organizations have a value statement. They have core values on their website. They have it up on the wall, you know, on the company wall. Um, they'll put it on a mouse pad, you know, and have, you know, it at everyone's computers. But we all know from both experience, you know, as an employee, but also, you know, as a leader trying to, to, to wrangle your team together and get them all bought into like these values, as well as, um, you know, the consulting work that we do, like it's, it's, that's, it's not that simple, right? Like having values-based leadership is far more than simply getting our, our heads wrapped around some core value statement and some, some values that we, we um, put on the website. We have to do much more work than that. So for you, what does that mean to, to have values-based leadership? And then we can get into really what organizations can and should be doing to try to do that more robustly in a more sustainable way. So it can actually have meaning and add meaning and purpose and, and, benefit the organization the way it's intended to. Absolutely. I, I feel like, and I think everyone has experienced this. Yes, every company has that mission statement, that value statement, and they really go at the lip service of this is what we stand for. And if you look at them, a lot of the times they are just these platitudinous words that don't actually mean anything. Yeah, they look great on the company mug and on the mouse pad, but they, they're empty for all intents and purposes. And do they sound good at a, at a big trade event? Maybe, but for your actual day-to-day employees, they have to feel those values and uphold those values and they have to share those values for them to mean anything. And the words themselves, even if they have meaning to, let's say the CEO or COO who wrote them down, how they look at one thing is going to be very different than you know, one of the people sitting in a cubicle pounding out a spreadsheet every day. They're going to look just at the language completely different. And so it truly has to not just be the words, it has to be the embodiment of behaviors. And it has to start from the top. It can't just, the, it just can't be put on everyone to live this idea and say these things and feel like, oh, we've all stepped in line because we've got a list of words we're meant to follow. If the actual leadership, the people who have true agency, the stakeholders aren't following and living by those values, how they mean them to me, they're expecting their employee base to guess, which is never good. So 
Yeah, and, and say, saying one thing and doing something different oh. is like the surefire way to not only cause confusion, mm-hmm. but to really undermine people and to demotivate them uh, and to erode trust. And so, so you know, it's it's one thing to have these values. It's a completely different thing to live them. Mm-hmm. And and to have aspirational or espoused values, that's great. But you you do have to reach for those aspirational values and and people can see it a mile away when when it's fake and when you're not actually doing it and they can see the the lower level employees line level employees middle management they know when the the c-suite when senior management uh, executives kind of have their own set of rules and expectations versus what everyone else is expected to do in terms of accountability and all of that and and so it's one of my pet peeves. I know as an employee in an organization, if I hear someone say all these aspirational values, I'm like, great, I'm on board. That's wonderful. And then in the following days, weeks, and months, I see completely different behaviors. You know, it, it, it just makes me cynical, you know, then I, I don't believe them. I don't, I don't trust that they, they're actually, um, they, they feel it's important what they're saying. So that's not what we want at all. We want to find ways to embed those values uh, into the behaviors of the organization uh, and, you know, the policies, practices, and procedures of the organization, the mechanisms that drive the behaviors of the organization. Absolutely. And it, it, it can't just be that the, you know, leaders have to live the values every day because they, that should just be something that is intrinsic to them. Those values should have come from how they're already behaving, how the business was formed, their long-term goals with what they're doing those things should be just intrinsically there and built, you know, again, from the top down, but they lose sight of getting those values to be understood by their workforce, especially when they don't start with making hires based on people who share those values, which, you know, they, they want their businesses to be successful. They want the organization to thrive. And so they, a lot of hiring practices tend to be, well, can this person tick all the boxes that we need to be instead of, does this person share our values? Are they the type of person who's going to foster how we want to work? Maybe they don't tick every single box, but you can train for skill. A lot of it starts with who you're bringing into the organization. You can't shove, you know, square pegs into round holes and expect them to be complete right? You can do it. (laughs) It's just not going to be comfortable for anybody. And it's not going to be the true vision of the organization. And so it genuinely has to start with hiring. It has to start with, you know, not checking in, like, are we living to our values, but making sure that the feeling is mutual and that people genuinely understand the reasoning. And I think trust, you brought up trust. I think that is so paramount. Trust and transparency about why certain decisions are being made because that's how we know like the rank and file tend to get upset is when they feel that they were just being told to do things without the understanding of why and do they have to know why every decision is being made no some of those are stakeholder decisions but overall you know we're all working towards a common goal for common reasons to share common values for a joined outcome and i feel that unfortunately that trust and that transparency is a, a giant forgotten piece um, along with the hiring at the base level. Yeah, it has to start, like once we establish through a collaborative process to cr- generate buy-in, once we establish these shared values, 
then it has to then be sustainably consistently implemented across all levels of the organization to have any meaning starting at the recruitment process, the hiring mm-hmm. process, the onboarding process has to be built into performance management systems, yeah. uh, leadership development processes, all of that. And it's not enough for, you know, the, the VPs, the C-suite to have an executive retreat where one mm-hmm. weekend they, they create all of these and then they come back and they say, hey, everyone, here's our values. <laughs> and then let's move on. And, and no one really ever, it, it comes up every now and then, but it's not embedded into anything in the day-to-day that that's what a lot of organizations do and that serves really no purpose it doesn't have any impact right absolutely and again a lot of it comes down to language like i've i've had you know c-suites come back say one of our core values is integrity okay integrity to a you know 65 year old white guy who makes you know several million a year versus you know a 20 year old person of color who's just graduated school those are two very different concepts and the language is never truly defined it is it's come at from the the perspective of like you said the c-suite and above which their outlook on the world is just inherently going to be very different than the people supporting them with the daily work and so not so adept defining how they are using the language and really getting everyone on board with understanding why they've chosen those specific values and why those are the ones that are the most important to them as an organization um, and how they personally plan on you know, exhibiting those values and living those values for the organization. Um, it's it, the trust, like you said, I, I think that is the core of the whole thing. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, yeah. And and we could go on and on. There's lots of different <laughs> types of values that I think are really important. Trust and transparency being a couple mm-hmm. I believe strongly in. I know another one, and you just alluded to it um, briefly in, in talking about that generational dynamic. But, you know, we live in a complex world. We need uh, diverse and inclusive workplaces. Mm-hmm. And so 
nowadays, a lot of companies have recognized, yeah, at least if nothing else from a PR standpoint, diversity, equity, and inclusion are important. They need to talk about it. You know, we got Black Lives Matter. We have all this social strife. Like they need to at least do something. And Mm -hmm. so I I do see that being an impetus, you know, for at least some of that kind of value around diversity. Hopefully we can go deeper than that though. Um, But that's another one that I know you feel strongly about. So what, let's talk a little bit about the diversity element um, and how that plays into a healthy organization and why, you know, people should consider having that as a core value um, beyond, again, just, just giving lip service to it. Oh. Yeah. The lip service is, we've all seen it happen, right? We, we've absolutely seen big corporations say, oh, we, this is now a quote unquote thing. Let's hire a DEI specialist director and let's get some diverse um, hires in the door. That's such a mistake because just hiring quote unquote diverse workforce does nothing for your actual diversity. And this, the inclusion part is interesting because if you're trying to take these, now you've made a few quote-unquote diversity hires and you're trying to include them in a system that was not set up for them to succeed in, the, the outcome is not going to be great for really anybody. The only way for the diversity to truly be real, to truly take effect, is to question the system itself. And is it gonna be uncomfortable? Absolutely. Are you going to have to allow people to ask questions and of people that aren't maybe used to being questioned? Absolutely. But the, the systems themselves have to be re-examined because you, the expectation to include diverse people in a system that, you know, again, wasn't set up for their success and lots of times set up for their oppression is, is not going to help your company. It's not going to help your workforce. It's going to create, you know, beyond feelings of animosity, just genuine disgruntlement and upset. And, you know, so bringing in these hires is going to turn out poorly for you instead of actually working on a, a, a new way of working and using them and their talents and their strengths not to teach you how to not be racist because that's giving them two jobs and you're probably underpaying them for one of those jobs, but to actually create a new system where they can thrive. Because if they're thriving, I guarantee you, your leadership will thrive. If your leadership is thriving, your organization will thrive. But you have to allow for some uncomfortableness in the meantime. I love that. And the uncomfortableness part of it and just being... uh open to the ambiguity of moving into that dark space, that darkness and not understanding exactly how to move forward, recognizing you need to though. Mm -hmm. Um, I applaud organizations who, who start to move into the diversity space and they may Mm -hmm. not really know what they're doing. They may not know how to do it effectively, but at least they're willing to take that step. And then they start to, to critically self-reflect on the systems, like you mentioned and recognize really these inequities that are in place that systemically are going to harm individuals and harm the organization as a whole. Hopefully we can move into inclusion and belonging and Mm -hmm. really uh, psychological safety and just having a healthy organization. That's, that's what we're shooting for. Right. And, and sometimes it is baby steps and sometimes it is, you know, two steps forward, one step back, but we do need to be committed to 
that kind of a core value beyond the lip service, beyond the PR, beyond, you know, whatever, um, you know, statement we make to appease, you know, quote unquote, appease the employees or whatever. Um, we, we need to, to move beyond that. So I, I agree with that. I think that's super, super important. Uh, another area that I know you talk about is around employee agency. Uh, I'm curious what you mean exactly by that, uh, mm-hmm. how it connects in your mind to the employee experience and the broader tent of, you know, what we're talking about in, mm-hmm. in terms of values-based leadership. Absolutely. What I mean with employee agency is if you're doing your hiring correctly, You are hiring for expertise, for potential, for that actual individual to lean into them being the most who they are, not, you know, someone you're like, okay, well, they're rough. We can quote unquote fix their problems and then they'll be a perfect peg for our organization. I'm very anti that. I'm very pro hiring for the individual, knowing that those rough edges are going to be what you can grab onto and what's going to make them successful. However, a lot of times these people are, are brought in, they're told like, hey, we're bringing you in to make some change. We're bringing you in to sort of look at things with a new POV. We're bringing you in to do what you do best, but then they are given no actual agency from the stakeholders to make any decisions, to do what they do best, to change processes. They, so it then does become lip service. And then you've got a, a, an employee who's brought in to do all these great things, or even not just great things, but, you know, good things that they are good at. And then they're stifled. They are not allowed to do that. They are allowed to discuss it at meetings, but then nothing ever actually changes because they don't have the power or agency to make any change. And it all comes from the stakeholders and the C-suites comfort seats, because they, you know, it's going to take them work to change things. It's going to take them, you know, a little bit more uncomfortableness. It's going to take them a little bit of change. And while they think they want that and they say that they want innovation, it's really easy to be like, yeah, but I can just do how things have always been done. I'm fine. (laughs) And yeah, I want, I want innovation, but I don't (laughs) want anything to change. Go figure. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so if you actually give your workforce, A, knowing that you've hired the right people, give them the agency to make that change, Will you be knocked off your little comfort seat a little bit? Maybe, but good stuff's going to come out of it. New ideas, creativity. Um, you'll become a leader in a in an organization that's the organization itself is leading, which I can't think of anything better than that. So I think people really misstep when they hire properly and then don't use that employee properly. And it's, it's hard enough to hire properly, right? So mm-hmm. you put all the effort into getting the right person with the right expertise, capabilities, competencies mm-hmm. um, to, to help the organization be successful. You bring this, this person in with expertise and, and all the insight, everything that, you know, all the intangibles that they bring with them to the, the position, and then you constrain them <laughs> <laughs> in all these ways where you don't allow them to actually do what you hired them Mm -hmm. to do. That's exactly to your point. And often it is because they end up pushing up against organizational structures um, and policies and, and just, just Mm -hmm. tradition. Um, And and instead of taking a step back and looking at all of that and saying, wait, is any of that actually necessary? Or is that hindering our progress? You know, so often we default to let's just keep things the same way. We restrict and constrain these people and then we are surprised when they leave <laughs> <laughs> and they, they go somewhere yeah, and else. And it comes down to ego. 
of the stakeholders, of the people who do have agency, right? It comes down to, they don't want to be questioned, hey, why are we doing it this way? When it's a perfectly valid question that should always be asked. And it's unfortunate that it took you bringing someone in new to ask that question. Your leadership should always be asking, why are we doing this this way? And yeah, it, a lot of it will come down to ego and absolutely, I love that word that you use, stifling, absolutely stifling your staff and not letting them lean into the things that they do best. And because your ego's in the way. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the saddest things that I see. Um, Cause you, you see this new person with the, the potential to really drive a lot of change. And then there's only so long that they're willing to beat their head up against the wall <laughs> before, <And> they <laughs> before they'll leave. And then, and then it's to the organization's detriment. It's to the individual's mm-hmm. detriment. You know, it's, better for everybody if we can yeah. just just embrace it. So I love that idea of employee agency. You know, another way that we often talk about it is in terms of decision-making autonomy um, and the, the ability to just connect with your work and lead out with your expertise. You know, that's just so, so vital. So I, I think that's another really great value that we can espouse within an organization. And coming back to where we started, you know, values-based leadership we have to, as leaders, we have to live up to these values that we state that we share with everyone else and, and, and um, talk about in terms of importance and meaning. We ha- not only do we have, to, we have to live up to the same level we expect of everyone else, we have to go above that we, because, because people are looking to us. And unfortunately, a lot of times um, it's the opposite. A lot of times leaders and executives they feel like they have their own set of rules. And so they don't do what they want everyone else to do. And in fact, they need to do more. They need to live those values even better. And it has to be very transparent in their behaviors with their people. And otherwise, there's really no chance of these values taking hold in any meaningful way within the organization. Well, EB, it's been a really great conversation. The time has flown by, um, but we're coming close to the end of our time together. Um, I would love to continue the conversation. So perhaps I could have you back another time. But before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to give the last word on the topic uh, and to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your consulting work and coaching work and anything else you would like to share as we close. Absolutely. Um, Since I am now mainly working on the client side, I would say if you are looking to make a change in your career and you are interviewing companies, to make sure that your values truly line up with theirs and talk to current employees to make sure they are living those values and that they are allowing you to do what you do best. And on the organization side, hire better. Hire the way that you actually know you should be. Not the, you know, do what I say, not what I do. Actually do the proper hiring um, and do it well. It's like you said, it's better for everyone. Um, if you're looking for either some staffing help or you yourself are making a career change, you can absolutely find me at ebsanders.com. I have quite a few free resources there. So please do come and um, make yourself available to them. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what EB can do for you and your organization. And for everyone listening today, as always, I hope you can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day.
are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.